the, the annoying part about games like this is obviously so many goals. There, there were positives that you could see throughout the game, but then in the post game, nobody wants to talk about that. Like Pasnak was asked about his crazy sick goal that he put between his legs and, you know, Pasternak has two goals. Bertuzzi has two goals. DeBrusque has a good goal. It's just all of that got buried by the mistakes and the loss. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just, just quickly before we get to some of those, on Frederick versus Felino, like I, I get the argument of, you know, Felino's a veteran leader and you want him on the bench, but it, it reminds me of the whole like David Backus debate in 2019 of like, well, you know, just his presence helps you. And it's like, well, it really hasn't. Like, you know, the those playoffs had gone on long enough. That series had gone on long enough that I think you had a pretty good idea of, like, what David Backus could bring at that point. And there wasn't going to be some magic formula of him giving a speech on the bench. And it's not a direct one, one-to-one comparison. I think Felino, when he's been healthy this year, has brought more to the table. Um, but he's – I think he's struggled the last couple of games, I thought – it seemed like he started to get going game three, maybe game four, where he, he found a little bit of the speed that maybe wasn't there right away when he returned from the injury. But I don't think he's been much of a factor the last couple games. So I wouldn't hesitate to make that change. Like I, I Again, Frederick had a really good season. I like what he brings. He has more offensive upside. Yeah, he's not, you know, the Wiley veteran, maybe – he might not even be quite as physical as Felino, but I, I think he should be in the lineup. Like I, again, he was six on your team in goals this season. It's if you go down with him sitting the last three games, like that's a very fair, not second guess because we first guessed it. But um, yeah, I would I would definitely be getting him back in. So off the top, and I I, I would too. I mean, I, I think that. You, you bring up David Backus. I, I still remember at the time thinking that game seven at home, Stanley Cup finals against his former team that he was the captain for. I just remember thinking like, I don't know, he could seem like the kind of guy that just gets like a, a goal off his skate in a game seven because he went to the right area. So like I am trepidatious sometimes about leaving out a, a, a veteran like that who's who's very, very experienced and, and, and might be just the guy to get that dirty lucky goal in a, in, in a tight checking game seven but to that point like I I, I don't know I, I I do I do definitely I do see Frederick being being a, a an all-around better contributor again thing with him is it's like similar to Swayman not nearly as similar I guess but he's he's been out a couple games here so will he be rusty whatever but yeah I mean I'm I'm for that but off the top, I, I I mentioned a little bit of optimism because there were some positives, and and we're not done with the negatives yet. So listeners, don't go away if you want us to just keep they'll, keep crapping on them. Oh no no no, there's pl- there's plenty to go over still. But um, Bridget, you mentioned you mentioned David Pasternak's two goals, Tyler Bertuzzi's two goals. So obviously a huge positive I was referring to was David Pasternak, kind of Babe Ruth calling his shot in the media scrum before Game Six, and he went out there and had two beautiful highlight. Well, the second wasn't a highlight really goal, but it was a good finish. But the first one was a thing of absolute beauty. And Tyler Bertuzzi made up for his blunder in game five and he had two goals. And, and, and uh, another positive for me is that the Bruins, because offensively the Bruins clearly offensively did enough to win that game. And, and that's, that's, that's excluding the, 
the goal from Brandon Carl that got taken off the board because of the Jake DeBrus can pass, which let's just say it now, as annoying as it is, as much as it didn't affect the play, it's if the puck hits your glove in any way, shape, or form in the offensive zone, they're gonna call it a hand pass. You get in you get into intent, and maybe maybe intent is in the rule book. I don't know, but I knew that was coming off the board when I saw that his glove. But in any event, the Bruins, if you want to include that Carlo goal, they found a way to get six pucks past Bobrovsky. Obviously, only five counted. And what's even better is that they were able to do it in all facets of the game, shorthanded, penalty, uh, power play, and five on five. And the power play went three for four, and it wasn't a fluky three for four. Like earlier on in the series, we had mentioned, okay, yeah, they went two for four, but there were goals in transition, and the rest of the power play outside of those goals looked like crap. The power play looked dangerous in game six, and they went three for four. And that's a major positive for me going into game seven. It looks like the Bruins may have found something and some personnel to go, to go with in game seven. Yeah, definitely. But I thought, you know, I thought the power play had started to show some signs where like they're at least getting better entries and getting into the zone. Um, game six, you saw good entries and good in zone setups, movement. Uh, like you said, the three goals, which is kind of just another reason, like it's so frustrating that they lost this. Like you, Basically, you won the special teams. Like you, you got three power play goals. You got a shorthand goal. Yes, you gave up two power play goals as well, but you still end up a plus two special teams. And they were the bet. The Bruins are the best five on five team in the NHL all season in terms of goal differentials. So to lose a game at five on five for not the first time in the series is really frustrating to see. Um, but yeah, pasta not getting going, huge. You know, I wasn't, as we talked about in the last podcast, like I was not as down on him as a lot of people. I thought he had to be better, of course, but I didn't think it was, I didn't like him being called invisible. Like I didn't totally agree with that assessment. Um, but regardless, he's, he's a goal scorer. So unless he's scoring goals, he, it's fair to criticize him. Um, so big to see him get going. You're right. He did. Did kind of call his own shot, although like if you if you listen to the audio, it wasn't it wasn't like the most confident calling of his own shot. He kind of just like slipped it in there, where it was like, and it's gonna be tomorrow, and, and but it was like, he, but he at the very least like he clearly wasn't worried. He he was straight up asked if he was frustrated. He said no. Like he he admitted he had to shoot more, um, Which and work to get better shots because he had gotten a lot of shots blocked. But he seemed to have like a good feel of like what he had to do. Like he he wasn't panicking. He wasn't it wasn't like throwing his arms up like oh, I have no idea what to do. Like they're just taking me out. It was like now just gonna work a little harder to open up shooting lanes and be a little more aggressive. And um, you know I think I think you saw that not not just on the two power play goals, but like I said, I thought that line him Krejci and Zaka the reunited check line I thought was their best line at five on five. They created the most chances um by far of any of their lines so that was encouraging to see like i said crazy was part of that he looked maybe not vintage crazy maybe not you know true playoff crutch quite yet but he definitely looked better than games one and two so it seemed like the the rest and recovery time did did him pretty well now do you guys think that was pasta's like prettiest goal this season Cause it's got to be yeah, up there. I probably. can't think of. I'm sure I'm forgetting so, like something that's comparable. But that was he I had mean, one. In, he had one in Seattle where he danced uh, 
on the road in Seattle, he danced somebody pretty good coming down the left wing boards. Um, I think it was Adam Larson. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I mean, pasta was just so fast. He goes out. Yeah. I didn't even have time to think about it. I was just doing it pretty much as what he was saying. And he said, I don't think I've ever, cause, cause he also lifted it like <laughs> incredibly, like he was able to, to lift it pretty high. And he's like, I don't think I've ever like roofed one of those before. <laughs> like Short I've side too. Before, but short side, top shelf, all, I think what you're trying to describe Bridget, which is like what I was thinking too. It's, like what's the right word for it It was just so fluid it was you i think he used the word fast but like the way he did it it was just so so fluid so smooth so quick it's like he didn't think about it just did it (laughs) yeah no yeah that was great to see great to see and then well so what was the so the power play unit that was that was really clicking was mcavoy up top with bertuzzi net front bergeron in the bumper and then martian and pasternak moving up and down the the flank so uh clearly the biggest difference there was Lindholm wasn't back there. I know they've been interchangeable throughout the series, but that was the five-man unit when it which just was really clicking last night. Yeah, and I think, you know, the other changes, normally during the regular season, it was DeBrusque at the net front of that unit. And, you know, he there are times that DeBrusque was really good there, but Bertuzzi definitely brings a little bit different of an element, in particular the playmaking in close, because we've seen this a few times now where he gets that puck right on top of the crease and makes that – backhand pass almost no look over to Pasternak and like you know DeBrusque brings plenty of pot DeBrusque was really good on retrievals um you know he'll battle at the net he's we've seen him score on like stuff attempts before kind of like the one you know Kachuk scored on, on Olmark um but that playmaking out of that net front spot from Bertuzzi is different and unique because a lot of the guys that get put net front are, you know, bigger bodies and they're just there for tips and rebounds. Uh, it's, it's rare to have someone who can make good passes out of that spot to, to set up goals. So definitely love him there, especially the chemistry with Pasternak, um, able to get it over to him. So yeah, that, that unit has looked good and obviously, you know, keep that together uh, going forward. Yeah, the, that second unit didn't even really get a lot of ice time because they were scoring with that first unit before the second unit could even get out. So, like, I feel like we watched mostly just first unit power play um, because they were so effective. They didn't even need to send anybody else out after. So, um, to the Bertuzzi stuff, uh, he, on that path, like, I, I've said this, he loves that freaking no-look backhand pass. And it can work when you're right near – the opposition goalie and go yeah. ahead. It looks, it looks pretty when you do it over there. Just don't get good on, good on the power play bad in your own zone. Yeah. Like, can we just say this is an offensive zone pass and that's it. And really you have to be pretty deep down near the net. Don't do it at the, it, it looks good when it works. <laughs> um, and you know what? I'm fine with them doing it there. Cause the risk of it um, going wrong is so much less. Uh, when that's the area on the ice you're doing it um and he fixed his mistakes I think he cleaned up from the mistakes he had been making in uh games four and five was it four and five I don't know there were a few different games where he was making some turnovers that were questionable um I think he cleaned that up and we got to see that line the mythical um we didn't know if it was even real um line with Hall and Coyle and it worked fine. So um in like you mentioned, you like to see him with Pasternak. Well, 
they connect on the power play. Yeah, and 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 that's something to think about maybe going going forward into future seasons. But we'll see we'll see what the what Don Sweeney tries to do in the offseason. I I I, I want to get your a sense of how you guys feel now because the I'm all year, especially towards the the last month of the season when we knew playoffs were approaching. The sentiment was among all of us, like I'll be honest, but the sentiment was like I just can't see this Bruins team losing four of seven games. They lost three times in a row once all year. They never like they they just they always found a way to respond and for a team to do that against this Bruins team seemed insurmountable, especially in the earlier rounds, right? But I ask you guys I also, now. I also don't think they've lo- ever lost this season three games in a, three home games in a row. Well, hopefully that's not the because case. Because that would forward. be what would have to happen because it would yeah. be game two, game five. And if they lose game seven, then that would be three home games in a row that they, I doubt they've done because just think about how few losses they have at home this year. So, so I have, I have my, I have my reasons why I'm still confident that they'll win game seven. I have my reasons for optimism, but I also have my reasons for skepticism and I kind of want to get a sense of how you guys are feeling. Do you feel now that this Bruins team can indeed lose four games in seven? And what, what worries me the most, and if you hear any noise, it's just uh, my ice machine is just going crazy (laughs) in my fridge. So please, please be quiet. I'm recording a podcast. Thank you. Um, uh, what, what, what concerns me for this Bruins team right now is that they've just been so close multiple times now at winning this series. You, you talk about the Brad Marchand breakaway. Literally in the final second of Game 5, that could have won the series. You talk about overtime in Game 5 where they had a chance to win the series. You talk about being up by a goal twice in the third period mm-hmm. or once in the third period in twice. Game 5. So, and it, it, yeah, twice on the Pasternak power play goal and then the, the DeBrusque shorthanded goal. Mm-hmm. And it's like the DeBrusque, the, both of those goals, you see the Bruins, how they, how they celebrate those goals. It was like, they just felt such joy and like, they were so alleviated because they were like, all right, we got the lead. We just got to lock it down now for whatever it was, 12 minutes when Pasternak scored or eight minutes when DeBrusque scored. Like they, it was so within their reach. And you could tell how excited they were that they were they were just this close to doing it. That's a devastating way to lose. And to come back home now, I they're gonna say all the right things in the locker room. They're gonna be ready to go. But you talk about momentum in a playoff series, it's all with Florida right now. And how do you, how do you guys as individuals feel going into this game seven? I'm gonna be honest, I don't feel good. Uh I, I I'm trying to track my feelings over the course of this weekend. Last night after the game, going to bed, felt really bad looking ahead to Sunday. I woke up this morning. I I still feel bad. Like it it just it it does not feel right. They these wounds don't heal overnight, Scott. I I did not see this team making this many mistakes, getting pushed to the brink by the Panthers, not being able to close out when they were up three to one, um, and. The again, like the personnel change is not working. Montgomery seemingly losing the magic touch he had all season. You know, I know we talked about like all the line changes he made before game five and how those didn't work. And he switched in half a period. The defensive decisions, sticking with Elmar too long, backing yourself into a corner there. Like Florida 
Florida has all the momentum. Florida has everything going. Like it's clicking for them. Their best player, Matthew Kachuk, in my opinion, has been the best player in the series. Um, Bobrovsky was obviously really good in game five, not very good in game six, but still better than Allmark. He's mm-hmm. been better than Allmark the last two games, um, you know, in total. And it, like that's one thing that's amazing. I was looking up like save percentage for the series now is basically even, like, basically exactly even. I did not think at any point when we were previewing the series that goaltending would be even. And after seeing like Alex Lyon struggle early on, like I thought that was such a huge advantage for the Bruins. It, it should have been such a huge advantage for them. And it's now been a stalemate. Um, Do you think just, it's a I, pressure thing? Do you think this is like a cracking under pressure situation? It might be. I mean, it, yeah. Like if, if you're succumbing, succumbing to pressure, you might be more likely to make mistakes for sure. So that, that could be part of it. Um, in which case, like, I don't understand why they would feel that, though. Like, you're up 3-1. You won two games without Bergeron and Krejci in the lineup. Like, how – the pressure's definitely on now, now that they're going to a game seven. Absolutely. Like, all the pressure in the world is on them Sunday, and how they deal with that is going to be incredibly fascinating to watch. But there shouldn't have been pressure for game five. There shouldn't have even been that much pressure for game six. You're still up three games to two, and you're going into a building where you've already won twice. Like if, if it is pressure to me, it's until that up to this point, it's pressure that they've put on themselves without needing to really. But now, now the pressure is very real. Like now it all like the weight of history and the season and the last what, it would, what it would mean for the future and the potential end of careers for Bergeron and Krejci. Like that's all on the table now. And it's, they're going to feel I would assume they're going to feel all of it. Like it's at least going to enter their heads. So how they deal with that on Sunday is going to be unbelievably interesting to watch. Yeah. Well, and do you think maybe this is where you go, okay, well that home ice advantage really, you know, this could be a situation where the home ice advantage does the trick and that's why you uh, go and win the division. And that's the advantage you have rather than the curse of being the president's trophy winner is that you have home ice advantage throughout the playoffs. And in game seven is where you really notice that home ice advantage for the most part. Um, And they've been so good at home all season. It just, it just not been the same in the playoffs. And Montgomery said um, almost in a bewildered way, playoffs is a different beast. Um, And there was a time in the middle of the game, he was throwing stuff on the bench, which we haven't seen. Um, he lost his cool. <laughs> and, you know, he didn't throw anyone really into the bus after the game, which is a difference between Cassidy might have called out Clifton or you, you never know. Um, but Cassidy's already on to the next round, by the way. Uh, and it just was – I don't know about you, Scott. Scott and I are at most uh, – Scott, have you, maybe he's been at all, maybe not. I th- Actually, you were sick one time. Me and Scott are at most of the Bruins home games. And I do not recall any other time during the regular season where they looked like this. And it was like almost like I don't even know what I'm watching, um, especially in that game too. And that just kind of feels like what what where we're at right now. It's like I'm not sure what I'm watching. I'm not sure what Bruins team this was because it didn't show really – at all like that or even just like a period of that maybe here and there but 
in 82 games. This isn't who they were. So that's that's the problem, and that's why I don't trust going into the game into game seven because we know what they can be, but they haven't in this series. And you give Florida a little bit of credit with the pressure and that they've been able to put on. Um, and they were clearly a better team than the Penguins because the Penguins would not have pushed seven. I, I highly doubt. Uh, this this series would have been – I might have predicted a sweep if, if it were Penguins. Um, maybe the Bruins should have let the Penguins beat them the last meeting of the of the season because then this would be Bruins Penguins right now um just food for thought but yeah I'm, I'm not entirely confident no I do feel a lot better if Swimming is the goalie I will tell you like the fact that if we find out before the game at some point Saturday Sunday as soon as I find out it's Swimming, I'll feel a little better yeah I mean the key word that you mentioned Bridget that stuck out to me was regular season like that. That's why. That's there's a. It's 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 such a different. Nothing matters in the regular season. The only thing that matters about the regular season is winning enough games to get you into the into the playoffs. And and you, the reason that there's probably a president's trophy curse isn't because the teams that win the president's trophy aren't good teams and don't have the best rosters. It's that when you get that much of a lead in the regular season, simply put, the games down the stretch don't matter. They don't matter to you. You're in the playoffs. You know you're in the playoffs. Florida has been playing with a desperation for months now that no matter how much the Bruins say the right things and want to play like the game still matter and want to keep good habits, nothing can emulate desperation. Nothing. And Florida's been playing with that, trying to make the playoffs for months. The Bruins, as much as they've been saying we want to keep playing the right way. We want to keep looking at small goals ahead of us to keep themselves invested. Their playoff hopes were never on the line, ever. So they've been in first place since the beginning of the season, and 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 you see that like you the, the, they're tightening up and they're playing careless and and yeah, I don't look. I don't feel there's good news and bad news. the The bad news is that I don't feel good going into this game. The good news is that usually when I feel that way, the Bruins actually do what I'm hoping doesn't doesn't happen and they find a way to win but like do you guys remember i think it was a, i think it was like during our se- our series preview i mentioned something like the Bru- what scares me is that the like if the bruins go down a couple games or whatever or they're in a bad situation like they can go out there and play a perfect game and still find a way to lose because that's just the way hockey is sometimes i can very much see the bruins go out in game 7 and and dominate i can see them out shooting florida f- 45 to 26 and I can five they outshot heavily. Yeah. And I, and I can, and I can see, I can see Bobrovsky just standing on his head. I can see a power play goal for Kachuk in the middle of the second period that takes the crowd out of it. And then I can see a tense Bruins team in the third doing everything that they, they can, they can do to empty the kitchen sink to try to tie the game. And what's unfortunate now is that the Bruins have made themselves vulnerable to this. They've made themselves vulnerable to becoming one of the most notorious teams in the, in the history of the national hockey league going into this game seven, objectively, when you have the most wins in any regular season, when you have the most points of any regular season team and you're on home ice in game seven in the first round, and you have a chance to lose that the Bruins, this Bruins team, and this is going to be fair too. This is fair criticism. If they find a way to lose this series after the season that they've had, after being up three games to one, and they lose this game seven, they will absolutely deserve 
every bashing that comes their way. The the Adam Joneses of the world, the 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 Mike Felgers, everybody, anybody who and sorry to cross reference, but I'm gonna do it because we're Boston and it's everyone knows who we're talking about. Everybody who's been critical of these of this team, and we all say, can we just see it happen before you bash them? Like, can we at least like they will be justified. They uh, nobody want to see Adam Jones in the office. Uh, if if goaltending is the reason why they lose the whatever series, you, I'm just gonna quit. <laughs> what everybody says, what everybody says is, no matter how well the Bruins play in the regular season, no matter how many sixty goal scorers they have, which is just one in Pasternak, mm-hmm. like no matter how fun the regular season wins are, they always say, "I just don't trust them." And if the Bruins lose this game, I'm sorry, you can sit there and say Allmark porked them. And he did in, in games five and six. But over the course of seven games, you cannot blame one guy. The defense has been atrocious outside of games three and four. And that falls on everybody, the goalie included, but everybody else. And they, if they win game seven, I think you, you, it could be a good, well, obviously it's a good thing, but you, there, there's the adversity, right? That they, that everybody said they didn't face all year. If you, if you avoid a first round scare, you get through it. You shake off those cobwebs. You say, okay, Toronto or Tampa, like, that's like, then you can get yourself going. Don't cut yourself off at the knees before this playoff series, this season can get started because, boy, this is going to be one hell of a predicament if they lose this game tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, yeah, tomorrow night. A, a few points there. So, first off, yeah, if they lose, it's absolutely an all-time choke job in – Bruins history, in NHL history, in Boston sports history, maybe even larger, just the entire sports history. Like it's, you were an all-time regular season team. You're up 3-1 on a team that had to scratch and claw just to make the playoffs. Like that, the, and, and it's been so self-inflicted. Like this isn't, it's not, yes, the Panthers are a good team, but it's not like fluky, like, oh, well, we got a bunch of injuries and, you know, whatever. Like they've actually gotten guys back during the series. They've gotten healthier as the series has gone on. Um, yeah, so it absolutely would be. And anyone who wants to rip them, like everyone else, either just avoid them or, you know, accept that it's justified because it will be. Um, as far as, you know, they can play well and still lose. I, In the scope of just one game, I can live with it. Like if they play their best game and Sergey Bobrovsky just has the game of his life, there's only so much you can do there, but I will come back to something that Andrew Raycroft said on EI this week, which he was talking about the 2004 first round when the Bruins were the two seed against seventh seed in Montreal. We're up three, one and blew that series. And he said, it's not game seven. I regret presumably because he felt like they played a pretty good game. He said it was game five, I regret, when, when they got ran off the ice five to one and just didn't seem like they were ready for that game and that chance to close out the series. That opened the door for that Montreal team. They came back and won the series. If you're the Bruins, yet the, just for one game, you could live with giving your best effort Sunday night and coming up short because Bobrovsky's unbelievable. What they can't live with, what they shouldn't be able to live with is what has happened in games five and six with all these self-inflicted errors that have allowed it to go seven games in the first place. That's what they'll look back on. It'll be. And game two. 